Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, he would not have delivered him, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it? to you about me. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? The word of God for the people of God. We're getting back into John's Gospel. Um, original intent was this was leading up to Easter. We were going to be looking at this right before uh, Palm Sunday and uh, look at the resurrection on Easter Sunday, and God had other plans. And in his providence, as we return back to John, um, well, to say this sermon is a very different sermon than would have been um, uh, a couple of months back. We are the story of Jesus' trial, and as we keep uh, one ear to God's word, uh, we also do so in um, our particular context and what's going on with us, and the things around us are shouting pretty loud, and as we come to the text, uh, that means certain passages seem to stand out more than they might at other times. So we're going to review what's going on and catch up with the narrative, and then we're going to look at this passage from the lenses of of justice, of truth, and of God's kingdom. Jesus has been betrayed. He's just been arrested in the garden, and you'll remember um, Judas led uh, the troops there to him after he's had the last meal and after he's given them a new commandment. After he's taught them about the coming Holy Spirit, he's now been handed over um, and they bring him to, uh, the, to Pilate, who is um, uh, the, the Roman authority over the region at the time. The Jewish religious leadership already determining that Jesus is guilty. And so and they bring him to the governor's headquarters, and it's early in the morning. It's getting 
close to time to celebrate the Passover. So first we see their incredible hypocrisy of um, bringing charges against Jesus but not going into the Gentile facility to maintain their ritual purity. Outwardly, they want to appear clean and ready to celebrate deliverance, but inwardly, they are those who break God's law of seeking death. Uh, Pilate comes out to them and asks them what what charge they bring, and they just kind of say, look, he's guilty. If he he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't have brought him to you. In other words, just, just kill him. You know, don't worry about looking at the, the, the charges and evaluating and, and going through with justice. We're obviously right. Now, the charges they're bringing against him before Rome is the charge of him claiming to be a king. If that's the case, then he's guilty of treason and sedition, rebellion, because Caesar is the authority. That, that is not their own trial. When they judge him, they decide that he's guilty of blasphemy because he makes himself equal with God. Pilate tries to dismiss and say, take him and judge for yourself. And they say, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And we're told this is to fulfill um, the word that Jesus had spoken to show about what kind of death he was going to die. In other words... Had the Jews, the Jewish leadership, the, the religious leaders of the time, decided he was guilty and could, could exercise capital punishment, they would have stoned him. But all the prophecy had told for hundreds of years that he would be handed over to the Gentiles, and that he would be pierced for our transgressions, that he would be hung on a tree to become a curse for us. Crucifixion was what all the prophecy had pointed to. And so they are playing out the prophecy of our redemption. So Pilate takes Jesus in and says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asks, Did you think of this, or did they put you up to that? I have to wonder how long of a pause Pilate would have had to have this peasant prisoner in chains With I mean, Jesus is amazing. I mean, to, to think of how incredibly humble Jesus is, but then to have no intimidation before the power and might of Rome, to turn the question on him and say, is this what you think, or did they put you up to it? Pilate dismisses the Jews and says, your own nation have handed you over. What have you done? And so Jesus says without um, (laughs) confirming that he is a king, yet without giving evidence that would um, say that he is being seditious, my kingdom is not of this world. This is one who had told Peter, put away your sword, and says, now, if my kingdom was of this world, they would be fighting for me. But that's not what this is. My kingdom is from another authority. And so he says... Uh, ask if he's a king and says you say I'm a king for this purpose I've come to bear testimony to the truth and all who are of the truth hear my voice listen to my voice and Pilate asks is it cynicism is it confusion is it pragmatism Pilate says what is truth 
we'll, we'll read next week of how he goes out now knowing that there's nothing that makes this man guilty and yet handing him over to death. Jesus is a victim of injustice. Part of the injustice uh, is from authority that just kind of has the attitude that they must be right. They represent um, they're in power, and so what they decide is correct. The, the gathering of Pharisees and Sadducees and those in leadership come to Pilate and say, look, he's obviously done something wrong, but we're telling you that. It's almost the might makes right mentality. We're the ones in authority, and so what we do must be correct. This same group will later stir up the crowd. And they cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And so Jesus is not only the, the victim of um, those in leadership and authority abusing that authority, he's also the victim of crowd mob injustice, of those who just shout with a loud voice whenever any question comes to them louder and louder, killing, killing, give us Barabbas. And here is Pilate, who does not find any guilt in the man, and yet hands him over for political expediency. He knows it's not right, but in order to correct, keep his own position, out of pragmatism, he does what is wrong and commits injustice. Jesus suffers injustice. He suffers false charges, misuse of authority, both religious and civic, even against their own conscience, uh, in Pilate's case, he's handed over to be killed. We are hearing a lot about justice. It might be helpful for us to consider what justice is. I saw a video, I've seen too many videos, <laughs> of protesters screaming, Justice is what we say justice is. That should be terrifying. That should send a chill down anyone who hears it, that justice is what we say it is. That means justice just becomes an empty container, and I can put whatever grievance I have in it. I can put whatever fear I have in it. Justice is giving to one what they deserve. Giving to someone what they deserve is what justice is. That means if someone does work, justice demands they be paid the appropriate wage. Justice is giving one what they deserve. So that means if someone is a citizen, they deserve protection of the government. They, they deserve all the benefits as well as the re exercising responsibility of being a citizen. All citizens deserve free speech. All citizens deserve to have their life and their property protected. Justice demands that anyone who transgresses the law receives the fit punishment for the crime. Any crime with a penalty deserves, that, that penalty is what is deserved because you've transgressed that crime. And all people 
regardless of how they look, ought to be given respect and dignity because they bear the image of God. No matter how much that image is marred in any of us, they deserve to be shown the reverence we would show anyone who bears God's image. And so before the injustice of the religious leaders, now that we've defined justice, justice is giving to people what they deserve. Before the injustice of the religious leaders and Pilate and the crowd stands a king named Jesus. And he is one um, who judges with perfect justice. Psalm 89 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The foundation of God's kingdom is perfect justice. But here we see that the king of righteousness, the king of justice, is going to be a pilot, be condemned by a pilot who has to ask, what is truth? So let's talk about truth. True justice can only be administered when truth is known. To give someone what they deserve means that what they truly deserve has to be known. Facts have to be known. Things have to be known. What is true has to be known. Not what is spin, not not what people claim, but what is reality. And, And maybe we're in a time like justice, truth is as confusing to many people People asking what it is. There's a lot of disagreement about what truth is. As the Time magazine in 2017 had a cover story asking, is truth dead? And many of us who who watch news, and we can see one channel and then another channel and feel like you are watching two completely different uh, nations, have to ask, what is truth? I mean, we're, we're around people who speak of my truth and your truth. We're, we're around those who would say there's many truths, plural. We, we, we've had a presidential candidate claim that they honor truth over facts. And so I would say that we have to understand that truth, which is absolutely cru- crucial for not only justice, but even for the existence of a society, is to understand that truth is whatever conforms to reality. What is? Now, obviously, we all have different perspectives. We have different, you know, um, viewpoints. We have different experiences that makes us looking at something have different understandings and interpretations of what that truth is. But if we can't agree that there is an objective truth to which we're all aiming, we're in a bad condition. If we don't have that, and truth becomes what we say truth is, rather than what conforms to reality, justice becomes what justice is. I'm confusing myself. Justice becomes what we just say justice is. And there's no hope for community, because if you have your truth and I have my truth, That means we have separated ourselves so much that there's no way we can have any fellowship or communion. I can't be in a society with someone who interprets society so radically that says, 
we have no basis for understanding what actual reality is. And so if the disagreement about what those truths are become so great, that means there's nothing left but using force and violence. Because if we can't agree there's a truth that we can come to, all that is left is to overcome the other and declare yourself the one who speaks truth. But if we see that there is a truth that corresponds to reality, not only can we kind of reason together and come for that truth, then I need you. I need someone who sees things in a really different way to help me understand what that objective truth is. Rather than just saying my perspective is all there is, I need somebody who has a different experience and we can converse and talk and reason and come to understand what reality is. And so here is Pilate. Now that we define what truth is, that which conforms to what is real, asking what is truth. And he asks this in response to Jesus' statement that Jesus came to bear witness to the truth and that everyone who is of the truth listens to him. Then IV translates that as anyone who is on the side of truth listens to him. Let me skip over a big chunk of this just to say what is right is right. What is wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter at what point in history we are talking. It is better to be on the side of truth than on the side of history. History and time are shifting sand. The one who doesn't know truth gives injustice and here we talk of the kingdom. For now he crucifies under the charge the king of the Jews. Jesus explains, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If it was, his servants would be fighting. Jesus' kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, our hope will never be brought in by worldly means. If our kingdom is of another, is not of this world, then we know it's not established in the way the kingdoms of this world are established. So it's only advanced by bearing witness to the truth and being in relationship with the truth and knowing him. So in other words, if our hope is that God's kingdom will be brought in by the ballot, our hopes will be disappointed. If our hope is that if, if it's by the right legislation or the right candidate or, or getting any of the political things, we're going to fail. That is not to say we should not be involved with politics. That is not to say as citizens you shouldn't be very active and, and, and speak for the truth and advocate for justice and do all that you can to bring about making this, uh, this world as much of close to the kingdom as possible to be a place of peace and justice and to work for that. But if our ultimate hope is through political means, if our ultimate hope is through the things of this world, we're hoping for something other than the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven will not be brought in by elections and legislation and bills, though we hope for all of those to be done in a way for works for the well-being of all people. And we need, we need voices of Christians in those realms. 
And also, since the kingdom is not of this world, we need to be very careful not to align too closely with any party or any allegiance other than the king of kings. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, if our if our political views are driving our interpretation of scripture, we're in trouble. We come to the Bible and it should shape our view of politics, which means we might align more with one party or the other, but if we're not uneasy with both parties or any party, we need to really evaluate where our hope is. Let me just say that, that if, if you line up perfectly with any party that has fallen human organization, it's a good time to examine yourself to see, I mean, where, where are you, who's in the driver's seat? Is it scripture or is it towing the party line? Uh, that doesn't mean you don't align. It doesn't mean you don't support. It doesn't mean you don't run for office. It doesn't mean you do, do any of these. But you take your cue from the word of God. Which also means that Christians are ones who can look to whoever is in office and give critique as well as approval of anyone. If what we're looking to is the scripture, that means everyone, I mean, because we come under the judgment of scripture, we should be able to look at anyone and say, this is wrong or this is right and we appreciate it. So let me go with a few things. It should be said clearly, without qualification, George Floyd's death was a vile act of evil and demands justice. It should be said clearly and without any qualification that any view of another person that sees them as inferior because of external, racial, anything other than who they are, any view that sees them as inferior is a sin against the God in whose image they are made. It's a sin against our Savior who redeemed for himself a people of every tribe and tongue and nation. And so we as Christians worship a God. This is another point. That is said, next point. We as Christians worship a God of perfect truth and perfect justice. Therefore, we are obligated to pursue both. That means we need to teach this. It needs, we need to speak for it. Let me, let me, we need to model it for our children. As I've been reflecting over the past week about my own, my own upbringing and, and the things that I saw growing up in South Alabama, um, just outside of Selma, I, I, I'm, I'm struck again by the little things my parents did to stand up for people when they were called names and belittled, very small acts of courage that had a profound effect on me. Just to suggest that's the way, a good way to work for that as Christians. But also, as we work for justice and truth, when so much of the media is irresponsible in what they report, 
because they are aligned with political authority rather than pursuing truth, we have a responsibility to be critical of what we see and to ask questions. And before we dare pass on something, we need to confirm the truthfulness of it. I think there's a lot more that needs to be done to work towards truth. But we have to look at what we're capable of doing and what we can do. And one simple thing that we can do is maybe look at what the other side is saying and before we have a knee-jerk reaction, ask some questions. And before we just pass on that thing that comes in our Facebook feed that tears down the other party, maybe ask a few questions of, is this true? Is this real? Before we become part of the deceit that's going on help destroy us. And what we can really do is look at ourselves. We're in a time when there is a lot of moral posturing and a lot of moral debate. A lot of it needs to be said. A lot of it needs to be thought about. But I know the danger of my heart is if I do something to take a moral stand, or if I condemn another person, the real danger is fostering my own self-righteousness and fostering a sense that I am good because I've spoken out against evil or I'm good because I'm not like those other people. And so we as Christians who are under God's law need to look at ourselves and we need to speak truth there's, there's a place for that, but there's also a greater need for us to look at our own heart. Because if we are speaking out, and if there's lots of people speaking about uh, things that are right and wrong, it's very easy for me to just say, I'm okay, I'm right. I thank God that I'm not like this sinner. Whether that sinner is the racist, whether that sinner is the rioter, it's so much easier for me to confess somebody else's sin than my own. I think any of us have to admit that at some point we have used other people more as objects to get the things that we want than seeing them as created in the image of God. I think all of us have to admit that we have not pursued the entire truth, that we have not upheld perfect righteousness and when we do that, we have the hope that we can hear the truth of the man named Jesus, who himself is truth and whose truth sets us free, and that we can come to him who is the perfect judge, that we can receive him by faith. And when we confess and we receive, he gives us something no one else is offering at the moment, but something that each one of us desperately needs. Beyond justice, he offers us mercy, and he offers us forgiveness. That is the kingdom. It's not only a kingdom of perfect justice, it's a kingdom of peace.